Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, flying solo in our uh, Starship headquarters here just off the Statler Hilton, downtown Dallas. But joining me on the line today is a frequent guest of the podcast, uh, an old buddy, a guy we really have come to rely on. He's, he's really a lot of fun to talk to, and maybe you've read some of his stuff in the Dallas Morning News. It's a little fellow named Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Guten Tag. <laughs> Evan, how the heck are you, man? Uh, I am in my hotel room in Seattle trying to scramble to get packed. Uh, so that I can get to the ballpark today by 10 a.m. Seattle time and cover another baseball game and then get on a red eye to head to Chicago. You know, it's the glamorous life that you always wanted. It is. It is. It is the glamorous life. Have you been? I mean, I I live it to the fullest. Yeah. Have you been to the Pike Street Market? Kevin, I've been here about 20, about 30 hours. I got here. Monday night. It, this is it's a long way to go to Seattle for a two game series. What, um, and let me ask you, what was up with that anyway? Uh, it's just a it's just a wacky schedule this year. I mean, we're here for two days, uh, night game, day game. We come back at the end of May for four games, starting with a day game on Memorial Day. So we've got six games in Seattle here and. In less than two weeks. It's kind of nutty. That's very nutty. But then so am I. This is not the kind of thing that should happen. This is the whole problem with the alignment with the Rangers playing in in a division full of, uh, discounting the Astros, of course, but a division full of West Coast teams. Are we ever going to have realignment, Evan? Well, I I, I think right now the Rangers should be more concerned about whether or not we're going to have relegation. Um because wow, there's a soccer, team. there's a soccer, uh, wow, look at you, man, you are really, really good. Yeah, I am, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm sharp like a tack. Yeah. Not the sharpest tack, though. No, not the, um, not the sharpest. All right, let's, let's look at some. I, 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 I think to get the realignment, they're still going to have to get another round of, uh, of expansion, and I think we're still several years away from that. I mean, I think to get to the. To the next round of expansion, we're going to have to get through this current CBA, and right now, um, the CBA is uh, going to be based on this past off season. It's going to be a contentious uh, negotiation. Wow! All right. Well, I, I do think that that we need realignment at some point, and I do think it will happen uh, after you have more teams, and there will be more teams coming in because. Attendance is down, TV ratings are down, and the only way for the owners to make more money is if they charge a big old honking fee to a team, to an owner who wants to bring a new franchise into baseball, a couple of franchises. So I think that's what's going to end up happening. Um, You know, I I think right now Cleburne's got a real good shot. Cleburne, and, and you know, there's going to be a guy playing there who I think, now uh, listen, I'm thinking there's a conspiracy going on here because Rafael Palmero, who will be playing for Cleburne on Friday night, and I'll be out there to see that, so, you know, you guys won't have to, to do that and do the dirty work like I always do. Um, but I'll be out there for that. He's a guy who 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 got uh, who got some tainted goods, and you were in Seattle when Robinson Cano the announcement came about that. So I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think that you had something to do with both of these guys getting uh, 
tainted goods? Well, if anybody's ever seen my level of physicality, they know I am quite the specimen. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're a specimen, all right. But, uh, yeah, it's um, Robinson Cano got popped. Uh, the interesting thing about Cano's situation is he was he was suspended for 80 games, uh, and he only tested positive for a diuretic, which I, is not Are we boring you, Evan? Are we boring you? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're waking me up. But, oh, okay. Um, uh, but he got suspended for, for, for testing positive for a diuretic, not an actual PED. But what it, it does mean, and the significance of that, is that MLB's investigators or their forensic people were able to prove that he was using that diuretic as a masking agent for uh, for uh, some kind of PED. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if I would have uh, pegged him as a, a PED guy, guy, a PED guy, not a guy, guy, uh, because uh, you know, if anyone looked more disinterested in playing baseball, uh, it's uh, it's it's Robinson Cano. He can look very disinterested in playing baseball, but he also has been long rumored to be uh, to be in that in that PED circle. Um, you know, I. I only bring up that rumor now that there's been something that's, that's proven. Otherwise, I, I feel like this is, is, is mostly just gossip. But but clearly there was some chatter out there that this was a guy who had who had uh, been involved and who was ahead of the game. And based on, on the way the suspension went down and what he was suspended for, um, clearly there was some evidence that suggests that, yeah, he had been trying to game the system. Well, if that's the case, he's been doing it pretty well because he's no, he's no kid. Um, he's been around a long time and was a great player. A, a guy that the the Rangers could have had, as a matter of fact, as we have uh, noted on several occasions. And and now that's a good thing that they didn't, right? Didn't get that dirty player. Well, I, yeah, I, I I I think the Rangers would have taken uh, probably at this point in time. Cano would not be a Ranger, given that they had the opportunity to trade for him after the 2003 season when they chose Joaquin Arias as the second player in the Soriano deal. Um, I assume that Cano would have played out his career with the Rangers, signed with Jay-Z anyway, um, and gone somewhere and and played with a very uh, disinterested body language and for a lot of money, and then he'd still have gotten popped. Yeah, so much for that. So let's talk about these Rangers. Uh, I guess we have to. Do we really have to? Yes, we have to. We have to. So, uh, so what's going on now? Tell me what the. uh, Well, you know, I had some salmon the other day, Kevin. (laughs) I'm glad you had some there. You know, it's been so long since I've been to Seattle. I can't even remember the places anymore. Uh, But it is one of my favorite places in the continental United States. Uh, I love going to Seattle. Um, But let me let me ask you this. What is this rotation going to be like in two weeks? What is going to be – who's going to be in the rotation? Um, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Stop it. You know what? I think Mo Bamba might have a little something. He's got uh, no, I, tremendous I, reach. I mean, in two weeks, I think the rotation's pretty much going to remain as is with the exception of – the possibility of yanking out Matt Moore, and I think the only way the Rangers yank Matt Moore out is right now if they find somebody on the waiver wire who they feel like might have uh, some long-term value. I, I 
<clears throat> I don't think, as much as I like Austin Gibbon Dirks and and feel like he's a, a serviceable long reliever, uh, particularly in, in, in an emer- in, in an emergency starter, I don't feel like at this point he fits with what is the theme of this team, and that is what can we learn about the future? Who can potentially be part of the future? Um, the other option would be Johander Mendez, and now he could be part of the future, but he also had a 6.66 ERA when he was called up here, was not used in 10 days, and was sent back down to the minors. And I think the general consensus is he's not ready to be exposed to the big league. Um, <clears throat> if Matt Moore goes three innings again and gets and gets beat up, and, and there's there's nothing, maybe at some point the Rangers say, all right, we're just going to throw up our arms here and, and – and anything is better than this. But I think right now the the idea would be, can we find somebody on the waiver wire who might be um, a potential controllable long-term fit? Might be something of a long shot, but the Rangers don't have anything to lose. So what if Matt Moore gets hammered on, on Saturday, right? So what? Um the embarrassing thing would be that he'd get hammered by the worst team in baseball, the Chicago White Sox. But it's not like this is going to impact the Rangers' chances this year. Um, the thing for me on this, I, I, I'm on a roll here on Matt Moore, but the thing for me here is, and I asked Jeff Bannister yesterday when he said, well, we've got to continue to see some. Bannister was less convincing or committed to Matt Moore long-term. <clears throat> than I think he's been, and I just followed up with, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be a smartass here, but what are the signs of progress that you're actually seeing? And there weren't really, you know, he said there are some flashes inside games, and there there are some good innings, and we've got to learn to find a way to stack things up. I think the best thing that you could say about Matt Moore so far is he's throwing 64.5% strikes, which is the best among the Rangers starters. The problem is, you know, even when he gets high leverage on guys, they're hitting 310 against him, and that's disturbing. And maybe he can turn that around. Maybe he can make a couple of quality pitches. But it's we're we're this is the next start is going to be his ninth start. We're getting a ways in here where everything has been a trend, and nothing can be taken as a fluke. Yeah, I think if they had any alternatives, Matt Moore would already be gone. That, that's just my opinion. I, that, because the problem with him is, you know, you can say it doesn't matter, and you're right because the, the record doesn't matter, but he is burning up the bullpen. Uh, and and right. there's always a – there's always a fortunately for them, But fortunately for them, they've got a veteran in Jesse Chavez who, again, is not expensive, is not part of the future, but they can basically turn to him and say, hey, go pitch another three innings out there. Yeah. So it's almost like in... they've got a piggyback start. Yeah, I, He's saving the bullpen in some regards, but but uh, everything you say is right. You know, there just aren't options. Yeah, yeah, you know, there aren't options to replace them. And this is what we, this is what we knew going into the season was that this team was very thin at the upper levels of the minor leagues. Um, the guys that they had signed to potentially be some uh, uh, rotation depth, Ronald Herrera. Clayton Blackburn both went down in spring training with with injuries, so and, and they didn't really replace anybody. So it's um, 
for lack of a better term, it's 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 a disaster out there right now. And the you have a night like last night where Mike Miner doesn't go long, and and if that if, if you then get another night where where your starter doesn't get go long, and you've got to use Chavez, then all of a sudden you're looking at what do we do to back up Matt Moore? Is Mike Miner's tradeability being diminished a little bit here in the last couple of starts? Well, it's been it's it, it, they haven't been great starts by any stretch, and I, I don't know I don't know what the um, uh, I, I don't know what the common denominator is here. He's is besides the idea that he's made a couple of starts on four days rest versus five days rest, um, but his stuff just wasn't very good last night, and that's uh, that, that's a little bit concerning. I didn't I'm I'm going to be honest. I spent most of the game writing this Beltre column, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute, but I, I wasn't paying as close attention to what was going on on the field as usual, and I didn't, I wasn't really uh, aware of what Miner's velocity was, which would be the biggest telling thing if there was something really wrong. So really what was different about last night was that uh, Jerry Fraley or, or myself was not sitting next to you to tell you what just happened, right? Yeah, in a matter of speaking. <laughs> Just kidding. If, if Come you, on. If that's the way you want if that's the way you want to describe it, fine. <laughs> Come on. Just kidding. Just teasing. Hey, so uh, I guess you want with your little uh you know, not so uh you know, subtle drop there, you want to talk about Adrian Beltray then? I think it's significant, don't you? Nah. He's just a. I mean, I, he's an old dude who's hurt all the time. I think. Look, I, for those who haven't read the column, um, basically it said the time has come for Adrian for the Rangers to realize what Adrian Beltre has become and to act on that, and that is that he's become a part-time player, at least a part-time third baseman. Um, they have played 205 games since the start of 2017. Beltre started 91 of them at third base. He started 120 games overall, uh, with the other 30 obviously being at DH. And this is the third hamstring injury he's had since last September, the fifth lower body soft tissue issue that he's had since the start of last year. Um, He's now 39. These things don't – the muscles aren't going to get more flexible here. No. and so I, and I thought we were in a position where we had to ask these questions last night. And you know, uh, the way Adrian responded to my question about are you are you concerned that you're a part time third baseman is he said I can be a part time DH, which to me was about as tacit an acknowledgement as he's ever going to make that yeah he understands um, that maybe his days as a full time third baseman are over with. Um, he went on to say that, you know, I think my career could be extended by, by playing more DH and that maybe DH is, is more realistic. And I think that, that that was further backed up by Jeff Bannister acknowledging that the Rangers had started at least having some discussions about the idea of do they play Joey Gallo at third base son? because they were very adamant this spring that he was only going to play first base and then then they said, well, we have no other choice but to play him in left field. Um, and now they're they're open to the idea of playing him at third base. 
And as you and I both, you know, now understand, if you play Gallo at third base and you create an opening in left field and you're, you've got your eyes on the future, it's the perfect opportunity for you to call up Willie Calhoun. Yeah, it is. But I tell you what, See, Kevin, this is this is the way the analytical baseball mind thinks: three, <laughs> four steps ahead. Three, four. That's what we used to always say when I was playing pool, and uh, me and a buddy of mine. It's like you'd make a shot, and you'd say, "You know, I'm always thinking two, three shots ahead." Uh, oh yeah, when I'm playing pool. Um, yeah, here's here's my issue with that: is that okay? They went into the season knowing they weren't going to be any good, right? Uh, right. And and they said so. Joy's just playing first base, and and you know things happen. And look, I'm not saying you got to be held to anything. When things happen and people get hurt, you're gonna you're gonna have to make adjustments. But I thought it was such a good idea that Joy was just going to play first base. You know, because I think that we that, both agreed on that. Yes, we both agreed on that. And so then uh, now he's going to left field, and now they talk about putting him at third base, and so. To me, in the end, does this end up doing Joey a disservice? I mean, if he's going to end up playing three positions this year, or do you feel like, what the heck, uh, he's still young and, um, and, and the Rangers have got to find out a lot of things anyway. They might as well go ahead and move him around. I, I, and maybe that's the case. It just looks like the Rangers don't have a plan anymore. Um, I, I, I think – I think you could certainly make that argument. I also think that you could say that, hey, if if you're if you are turning towards the future and you're trying to maximize the number of young guys that you want to take a look at, the best alignment would still have been Guzman at first, Gallo at third, Calhoun in left field, um, and those are guys all with futures. Do I? Your feeling, and I know your feeling is strong, that you don't think Gallo is a long time, long-term third baseman. Um, but I don't know that we we thought before the year that Guzman was a was a big league prospect. And I think certainly defensively, he has shown that he belongs on the field defensively. And, and I think this year you've got the opportunity to expose him to enough. Uh, you've got the you've got the opportunity to expose him to enough to get an idea of what kind of offensive player he might become. Um, the other part of this is I think that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has raised an awful lot of eyebrows about just his long-term value, and that makes it all the more important that despite the fact that he's playing well up here, that you get him back down to the minor leagues for about a month and get him a pretty good tutorial at, 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 at catcher and maybe a little bit of time in the outfield so that you can turn this guy into the absolute definition of a super utility guy who will give guys all around the diamond a day off and potentially be a full-time player that way. So I think with everything turning towards the future, the Rangers are employing um, all all the opportunities they have to get a look at the future and... Um, yeah, you know, third base is not of, of the three. I think you and I would both say that third base is Gallo's worst position. Yeah, but I don't think even though the, even though he's a tall guy because he's so athletic and the way he moves, I don't think he's a he might only be an average third baseman where he'd be an above average first baseman and above average left fielder. But I don't think he would be a below average defender. And he would be above Renato Nunez. 
Uh, well, yes, Flat Stanley would be um, <laughs> above Renato Nunez. And there was a point in time where I think the Rangers were going to—they were—they were deciding between a Flat Stanley and, and a Weir's Waldo yeah. uh, to call up. And, and, and listen, I, I've, I've talked to scouts who still believe that Renato Nunez was miscast, that he's more an outfielder, DH type than a third baseman, and, and he, but he didn't show them anything offensively to say right. we have to find a way to, 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 to do this. Now, if he was still here, maybe the Rangers would flip-flop things and put Gallo at third base and Nunez in left field right now. But he's not. That, that ship has sailed, and I think the Rangers have moved on to the next well, if that, if, if that were the case, listen, and I don't want to be too hard on Renato. I, I do think that he was miscast as a third baseman. I, when he turned sideways to, uh, on, a, on a hard hit ball uh, and it hit off his leg, I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is not a third baseman. It's a tough position to play right. in the big leagues. But this is a guy clearly not – and then, you know, the, the throw is over. And so, I, you know, you didn't have to watch him for very long to figure out he, he can't play this position and he's, and he's being right. asked to do something he can't really do. So that's unfair. Uh, so they right, they, and maybe you know, maybe maybe the Rangers aired there by trying to be stubborn and as as we both said, keeping Gallo in left field and not making him continually move around. And maybe they didn't get the best look at Nunez, but I also think that you know, in the long term, do you feel Nunez or Willie Calhoun is going to be more a part of your future? And ultimately, all all the Nunez move does is make it inch us closer to the Rangers calling up Willie. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, too, is that if I'm looking at long-term futures here, I mean, you know, Oakland gave up on uh, Nunez. So uh, Willie Calhoun has a future. And I'm not saying that Nunez doesn't, but 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 Willie is the guy that you should want to see uh, do uh, to play because I I do think he has a big time skill set as a hitter. Uh, the question, of course, is you know can he play left field? Um, and uh, but the uh, and that's all well and good. Those are the things you'd want to see. And I, and I guess I could sign off on on the you know moving Gallo to third base just for the. I think the big. I think the big elephant in the room on all of this it all everything fits right i mean you need to look at calhoun and left before this year is over sure um to do that you probably need to play a gallo at third base to do that you have to have some buy-in from beltray that he'll he'll at least split time between dh and, and third base um you have guzman at first base but the elephant that's in the room is Right now, the Rangers have a full-time DH. Right. Um, and since you chew. And they've got a guy that they've still got about $55 million invested in. And and I've maintained all along that I feel like, despite the fact that, that Chew has been uh, at least an average producer offensively, he's come nowhere close to living up to the numbers uh, that he produced in the three years before the contract that he signed. And I think at some point in time, when the time is right, the Rangers are going to have to make a decision about there's no there's there's probably no trade market there's no more trade market out there for two than there was in the winter time. Um, there's a little bit of mo- less money left in there, but you're either going to have to move two to the bench and just leave him there, or you're going to have to consider the possibility of of Sinchu Chu um, of cutting ties with him. And so that's going to be. I think that's going to be the real elephant in the room.
room as we get into June and July. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to bring up because when you talk because that's the it, obvious. It's very comfortable. It's very uncomfortable when there's an actual elephant in the room. Yeah, I know it's it's, it's very it's very crowded. Is that yeah? The obvious leap is if if Beltre is going to go to the bench. Well, now you've got two guys that, who who don't really right. have a position and they're and they're older guys and this is runs contrary to everything you want to do. With a team that is losing, is be running old guys out there and playing them, you know, uh, and 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 you know, because fans will always say, "Well, what about trading Beltre?" Well, I, I I just don't think there's any value. And the only reason you would trade him is if if he requested a trade, and you do that out of courtesy to for him that he could go someplace else and maybe have a shot, you know, and you would get nothing in return for him. So you you would I, I think that this injury really decimates any remaining trade value that Adrian has because I do think right or wrong and people people who have not had the personal experience and seen what he's played through, I think that the general feeling is, well, there's going to be about $8 million left in his salary come July. Um, he, is, uh, uh, he is 39 and a half years old. The soft tissue injuries are piling up. When he played third base this year, um, and he was favoring the, the – well, I don't even know if he was favoring it the, that much, but his defensive metrics at third base were career lows and have been trending that way. So I think the analytical people in baseball are only going to say uh, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah. And, and I think the possibility that, you know, if Manny Machado is willing to go play third base for a contender this year – uh, he's going to be much more coveted than Beltre will. And if the if the Blue Jays um, don't stay in the American League East or wild card race, and I don't believe that they will, would Josh Donaldson be more uh, attractive to the team? So, you know, now you're looking at, at a guy who would be maybe the third best, uh, the third best uh, or third most attractive option on a limited third base market. Yeah, and by far the third most. So that's so that's the issue for me in all of this is that uh, uh, look, if you want to end up playing Gallo at third, I guess go ahead and do that. I, I, I'm not convinced that that Guzman des- deserves a full season at first base. If he's not going to hit through the through the trade deadline, I don't know if it's a good idea to leave him out there in the second half. Uh, but but may, but maybe so if because you, you could always move Gallo well, back I, to first base. I think, I mean, again, if you're talking about Beltre becoming a part-time third baseman where he starts maybe, let's maybe, maybe he starts at DH, uh, once a series and plays, uh, plays most series, plays, uh, a game at third base. Maybe he plays a game at third base and two at DH over the course of a series. And you've got the opportunity against every left-hander to sit Guzman down, protect him. Move Gallo back over to third base. Play Beltre. At, I mean, play. Move Gallo to first base. Play Beltre at third. Keep Adrian in the lineup. He'll allow for fans to see him on the field a little bit more. Let him continue to climb up the hit charts, and 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 make the rest of the season about two things: a farewell tour to Adrian Beltre, and more importantly, a look at the future. Yeah. Boy, Evan, that was just a really great way to wrap it up. Uh, you just sewed that baby up just perfectly. So, uh, so now you're gonna you're gonna get all your stuff packed, and you're gonna go out and cover this game, and hopefully you're paying attention to this one. And then, uh, and then you'll get on the red eye tonight. Are, are you gonna eat anything before you leave? Um, I'll probably eat at the airport where they have wonderful food. Oh, uh, it, gosh. It, yeah. 
So yeah, I've got an eight fifteen flight to LA, and then uh, from LA fly to Chicago. I get to Chicago at six a.m. Uh, for tomorrow's game. Um, wow. So t- now, but tomorrow is going to be really interesting. I am going to be jazzed up. I'm writing a column on this today. I was I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, Delino DeShield's sister Diamond was the number three pick in the WNBA draft by the Chicago Sky. Yeah. Um, and they open their season on Saturday night in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis, and then play their home opener on Sunday night. Uh, this has afforded the Shields family the opportunity to really have a reunion. I almost turned this week into Mother's Day. So the Diamond is going to throw out the first pitch tonight, tomorrow night at uh, U.S. Cellular, U.S. Guaranteed Rate, whatever that. Yeah. So they're calling that monstrosity. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if Don, if Delino ends up actually catching the first pitch, but I don't know if the White Sox will ask him to do that or not. But she's going to throw out the first pitch. Uh, Tisha DeShields, their mother, and all four of the DeShield siblings are going to be together for the first time in, in a year because Diamond spent uh, from September on uh, in Turkey playing professionally before she before she signed this contract with the Sky. So they're all going to have a real good get together. I talked to I talked to Tisha. I talked to Diamond. I've talked to Delino about it. I it'll make for one of these nice kind of family stories and a respite of of what have been ugly baseball stories all year. Yeah, that's always good. Well, anytime you can write about Delino, it's it's usually a pretty good thing. I tell you, you know, you have to remain objective about all these players, but I I, I find it hard not to like Delino. He's just uh, he he's just a, a fun guy to talk to. Uh, always thoughtful. Always gets you thoughtful answers, and and you can tell he's really trying. He's trying to make himself into a better player all the time, and and of course that skill set, the uh, the speed is. Is phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really understand how this happened. You know, I, I, I went up and, and talked to him in Frisco uh, when he was down there in that rehab assignment. And when I looked up the stuff from uh, StatsPass, is it StatsPass that was doing the uh, foot, feet per second, how fast he is? Are they, are they the ones that uh, keep that? StatCast. StatCast, that's what it is, yeah. And uh, last year he was, I think, just in the top five. But this year they say he is the fastest player in baseball. Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, but last year, I mean, it's it's only the the fractions are are so small. Last year, I believe he was fourth. Um, twenty nine per second. Twenty nine something point something per second. Yeah, now he's over thirty. See, and this is the thing. I I mean, I, you look at because there was a Statcast story that ran, I think, in August and had him at twenty nine point. Point something. Yeah. Um, but but you can do a stat cast search, not to be too nerdy here, um, and it it comes up with a calculation that he was running at thirty point three feet per second was his his fastest uh, time last year. Yeah. Um, now this year he's at thirty point five and tied with Byron Buxton. So thirty point five feet per second is basically about two inches fast farther. Yeah. But it's the difference between safe and out sometimes, sure. and it just does show that that the guy is doing everything he can to to uh, maximize his, his best skill. Yeah, can't beat that. All right, Evan, we'll go ahead and finish packing up, get all your stuff, uh, and I don't want you to leave anything in the hotel like you usually do. I won't. Okay. I won't. All right. Um, I will. Uh, 
I will, you know, Kevin, next week I may uh, come and see you in the actual studio. No. Yeah. Wow, that would be something. That would really be something. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't really look forward to that because I bring sunshine to the newsroom. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, Mr. Sunshine. All right, Evan, we'll see you. All right, Kevin. There he goes, Evan Grant, uh, one of the one of the true stalwarts of this podcast. Uh, he is actually, I know I, we kid him a lot about that, but he is the the father of this podcast, the godfather, whatever you want to call him. I'm just one of the kids. Um, so anyway, uh, we appreciate him coming on, and there'll be a lovely parting gift for him uh, because he did so. So so today we've had on our podcast, we've had Eddie Sefko, who was up in Chicago at the lottery, talking about the Mavericks luck. Uh, which is a, a euphemism for buzzard's luck, uh, going from third to fifth. Uh, but they can still get a good player there. Uh, I think a player who can make a real difference for them. And now we've had a, a little chat with Evan Grant talking about the Rangers and Seattle and that weird schedule. They're playing two games out there, which is just bizarre to me that you make a team go all the way out to the West Coast just to play two games. But that's baseball. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks for listening, and we'll see you. Bye.